Hello, New Life Church, digital campus, a very important campus. And in fact, over the last year, way more than that, we've leaned on this campus as much as any other place because people are getting the word here. We are pastoring you here, and I'm thankful for it. So today, if you're traveling and you're joining in, or if this has been a common place for you to get fed every week right there in your living room or however you may be fed from the digital campus, I welcome you today. This is going to be a good day. We're going to worship. We're going to get the word from my friend, Marcus Brown. He's one of the best teachers of the word that I know. And man, when he speaks, I get fed. And I know you will as well. So let's just go for it in any way that you can. Let's focus on the Lord with all of your family, if you are with them, or even if you're alone, because we need Jesus today. Amen, church. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? Let's sing this next song out to Him. Christ is my reward. He's the joy of my salvation, the hope of my salvation. He's the just serve a holy God. Amen. Let's sing this together.
Hey everybody, this is week five of our series on wisdom literature, and today's going to be a doozy. We're going to talk about sex, and this is going to be a sex talk. We're going to take Proverbs chapter five. So if you have a Bible, you're going to want to open it there because we're going to touch on all 23 verses from Solomon. Proverbs five is Solomon's sex talk to his son. So I don't know how many of you had one of those talks with your parents when you were growing up. Mine didn't go well at all. I, I prayed for a car accident, honestly, because I was just like, I've got to get out of this vehicle right now. Uh, but Solomon gives this talk, and I think he does a great job. He's not going to say everything that God says uh, about sex, and he's really going to touch on adultery and affairs. But he starts a conversation and then literally keeps it going then we have the Song of Solomon that gets very explicit. So if you've got Proverbs 5 and you want to, you're going to want to take a pen because this is going to help all of us. I'm going to tell you who it's going to help. Number one, it's going to help those of you that are starting a dating relationship and you're thinking about marriage. It's going to teach you what God says about marriage and pitfalls around sex and intimacy. Uh, two, I, and I believe this because I have felt some spiritual resistance uh, just preparing this message and praying over it. There are some of you that are going to listen to what I'm saying, and Satan's been building you a playground to the side of your marriage for you to play on that's going to destroy your family. And I'm going to tell you this, today's going to save your life if you will listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say, and you engage in it and just really receive from God. For the rest of us, grandparents, parents, those of you that are watching, this is going to help you know how to bring your kids in and talk to them in a very raw way about sex and sexual intimacy. Because I'm going to tell you like this, the world says what it wants to say about sex. It says it over and over and over, and it is graphic, explicit, and really clear about it, what it wants to say. And this is what I see with the church, is either the church is like a Pharisee, where it's just like killing people over this, or the church is just mute. It's not saying anything. And for a, a long time, I grew up in a church that was like this. We just never broached the subject. And I will tell you this, when, when there is silence on an issue, especially something that God has created, the world will always pervert it. So take your notes and get ready. We're going to dive into Proverbs 5, and we're going to have this talk. I tell you what is so, what's funny to me is a few years ago, uh, I did a talk around New Life Church around the subject. And then uh, it got on the internet and pastors started calling me and they were just like, uh, Pastor Marcus, can you come to our church and speak on the subject of sex to our people? And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And then another one called, another one called. And one day, Brooke and I were talking. They're like, she's like, Marcus, why are people calling and asking you to, to speak about sex? And, and in the middle of us conversating about it, I got a phone call from a pastor who was like, hey, uh, you don't know me, but could you come and speak on this subject of sex? And so we just laughed and she, Brooke goes, why in the world are people asking you to speak on this subject? And I said, I don't know, Bay. I said, people just look at me and they're like, he knows. And she said, well, have him call me about it. So, so we had a good laugh around this subject. I'm going to tell you this. Nobody really aces it. That's why we always go back to the Word of God. So Solomon, I think it's very interesting, is that he is a product of an affair. David had an affair, and Solomon was the result of it, which, which I want to start by saying this. 
if you have made mistakes around sex, if, if God has healed and redeemed some things in your life, maybe there's been an affair in your family or in your own marriage, we're not here to create pain or dig up the past. But we are here to do what Solomon did, and he was like, hey, I'm a product of this, and I saw the pain and the hurt that happened to my family, and he was like super aggressive to his sons. And he was saying, listen to me, pay attention to what I'm saying, memorize what I'm telling you now. He's like very aggressive. So this is what th one thing that happens is that in our personal lives, we make mistakes around this area, and then we'll, you'll feel like with shame attached to it, like you don't have the moral authority to speak on the subject. That's not true at all. It is people who have scars talking about a savior with scars that can help others that have in their scars. And so you can take the mistakes that you've made and say, I know this for a fact and I've proved the word of God to be true. And so when Solomon was teaching his son, this is the first thing that he taught him in Proverbs chapter five. Take this, write this down. He says, sexual sin is a process. You don't just dive into sin. He's like, I want you to back up and understand this is how it happens. And this is what he said in verse 3. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey. So he's talking to his boy. That's why the girl is going to be the, she's going to be the villain, all right? And she goes, the, the, the lips of an adulterous woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But then in the end, she's as bitter as gall. Listen to this. Sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. One translation said, her steps will lead you on a path of destruction. She gives no thought to, her, to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not even know it. The first thing that he is saying is that the first process in an affair, in adultery, starts with the power of words. The Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. So what happens in a, in a marriage relationship when there is a door open is that people begin, either the husband or wife, begin to lean outside of the marriage and they'll begin to listen to inappropriate things, things that begin to cross the line. So this is, and it starts with words. And so words create thoughts, thoughts create desire, and desire creates action. It's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. Like Satan showed up, first thing he started doing is talking. And he is like, did God not say? And then all of a sudden he started planting seeds in Eve's mind. And then she had a, a desire for it, is, is what Genesis says. And then the desire turned into action. It's a process. When, God, uh, when Satan went to the wilderness and he tempted Jesus, he started with words. He literally took the Bible out of context. And, and, and then Jesus took the word of God and used it against Satan. So it's going to start with like, just, just conversations that can happen in the workplace or in the neighborhood, just casual conversation. And this is why I've set some parameters. Like I don't counsel people of the opposite sex without a, a woman that's with me, with someone else in the room. Because what can happen is I can have a conversation or you can have a conversation. All of a sudden, you solve a problem. You give ear to a hurt. And then in one person's mind, I'll, listen to what I'm saying, one person's mind, they're like, I haven't been noticed in a while. And I haven't been helped in a while. 
And then in another person's mind, they're like, well, it feels good being the hero of the situation. It feels, it feels great being needed and wanted and praised. And a, and a conversation like that, Satan can take it. And he can take it from just a conversation that's a little bit inappropriate to an emotional attachment. So he said, this is what happens. Her lips, first of all, drip honey. She begins to praise you, speak to your ego, say things, and all of a sudden, feelings start welling up inside of you. And then he says it moves from that open door to your thoughts to physical touch. And this is what he says. Now, verse 7, track with me. He says, now then, my son, listen to me. Do not turn aside to what I'm about to say. He was like, you got to get this. Keep to a path far from her. When you're talking to your kids about this subject, you've got to tell them there are some people you don't need to get close to because the closer you get to them, they're going to lead you astray. He says, keep a path far from her. He says, do not go near the door of her house. Because he's saying, once it goes from words, and all of a sudden you have thoughts that are just shaking you up, the next step is physical touch. And once it gets, you get close and there's physical touch, all of a sudden the gravity and the pull towards sexual sin, it's almost impossible to break it. I talked to a guy who had had an affair, and he said once it moved from words to flirtation to physical touch, and he took, this is his own words, he said, even the audible voice of God. He said, I heard God from heaven speak. He said, even that voice couldn't keep me from sin. He said, I just, and that's why Solomon's saying, you've got to keep far from her. There's parameters around the physical touch that you've got to talk to your kids about. And listen, these need to be boundaries in your marriage. It's just like, I just don't walk up and just hug and hang on to everybody. I treat women like they're sisters in the Lord, and I treat men like there's brothers in the Lord, and I try to keep physical touch boundaries in play. This safeguards your heart. It keeps you above reproach. I love it. He said, listen, don't, don't turn aside from what I say. Keep a path far from her. There's the GST translation that you guys need to get. You can find this translation on any country radio station. It's the George Strait translation. He says it the same way. He said it like this. Goodbye. Farewell. So long. Vio condis. Good luck. Wish you well. <laughs> Take it slow. You better sing with me. <laughs> easy come, girl. Easy go. In your life, there's going to have to be some people you go, I got to have distance from you, and we're going to have to break this off if we're going to stay holy. And so when he says, okay, here's the process, then he says, now I want to stop and tell you the consequences of an affair because Solomon knew this in his life. He saw it in his home. He saw sexual sin break relationships between brothers and sisters, uh, fathers and sons, uh, uh, daughters and mother. He saw it destroy his family. Matter of fact, it went down for generations in his family, the pain. And this is what I think you have to do in your life is just stop and just go, you know what? We have to consider that we're going to reap what we sow. Because when this stuff starts in thoughts, then all of a sudden your mind will begin to justify. You know, you'll say things like, shouldn't I just be happy? You know, don't I deserve 
doesn't. And then you'll say things like to, in your mind, like maybe I married the wrong person. Now the right person has appeared. And he was like, you better listen to me. Let me describe the pain. I'm going to read this passage to you. This starts in verse 9. And then what I'll do is I'm going to go through and just give you the principles that he's talking about. Verse 9. This is after he says, Do not go to the door of her house, lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. At the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are spent, and you will say how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructions. In verse 14, and I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. This is what he's saying. I want you to write these down. Here's the, here's the first thing. You're going to lose direction in life. That people that get into affairs, all of a sudden their life goes from being on a highway to off-road. And he said, this is the first thing that's going to happen. You're going to end up outside of the will of God. You're going to be on a back road somewhere, and when you come to your senses, you're like, I'm nowhere close to what God wanted me to, to be or who He wanted me and what He wanted me to do in life. And he says it gets off track in a hurry. The Bible says it leads you down a path of destruction. The next thing he says is you lose your influence. That's what it means to lose your honor. It's just like, I'm going to take a hit on my reputation. My name is going to have some dirt on it, and those of you uh, that this has happened in your life close to you, or maybe you've uh, done this, you've got to be honest with people here. It's like sometimes it takes years to restore your name. Sometimes you don't have the ability to restore your name. We see this in politics all the time is that we realize, oh, they were in sexual sin. And then all of the great things they did in their life were like, oh, but then they also did this and it brings it down a level. I was talking to a man who told me, he said, you know, I, I had an affair about 15 years ago, and he said, and still, he said, I know God has forgiven me, and I know that he has helped, but he said, if there's one thing that I would like to tell everybody today, I said, well, what is it? He said, it's that it's not worth losing the respect of the people you love. He's like, I've, I still haven't gained back the respect of my kids. I can't, it's hard for me to lead them. It's always like, I hear what you're saying, yeah, but, and I mean, like he's teared up and he's like, it's just not, it's not worth, I've just lost so much influence. Then he says, you'll lose your wealth. If you're taking notes, write this down. 25% of people who have an affair in the United States, 25% ruin their family financially. He's like, you've got to consider there's a financial cost. There's a pastor that really spoke into Brooke and I, our life, and they helped us have a vision for a life-giving church. And, and years ago, it came out of some sexual sin. He was accused of it. ended up being, uh, being true, and it just, I mean, it just wrecked influence and everything. But then I thought about this. like he, he built a church and then built his home across the street from the church, and now every day outside of his kitchen window, he looks at something that he helped to build, but he can't be a part of the rest of his life. Like someone else is in charge and someone else is leading. This is exactly, he said, another man will take your toil, take the work of your hands and begin to enjoy it. He's like, you got to consider the finances that are in this. And then he says the health. He's like, you'll lose your health in this. And it's, it's so interesting. So when you think about Solomon, 
a lot of us think about wisdom and we think about uh, money. He was very wealthy, but he was in the sciences. And so his, his wisdom went into agriculture, it went into science, and then it went into medicine. And he was one of the first people to discover venereal disease. And this is exactly what he's talking about here. He was like, if you start getting promiscuous, then this is what's going to happen in your life. You're going to end up getting some sort of disease and you're going to be groaning and rotting away the rest of your life. He says, you'll lose your time. You'll give years of your life away. You need to consider this, that every type of season, when you said, I'm ready, I'm going to move away from my family into something else. There is a lost season of life that you're not going to have with your family. And pastoring, this is one of the things that I noticed. I was thinking about this when I was studying this, is that usually when someone is tempted to have an affair and, and things are getting out of control, we just think, oh, I just bumped into somebody and we had a connection. That's not what happened, okay? This world is a spiritual world before it's a physical world. Satan has a plan to take your kids out. And the best way he can take the kids out is to take out daddy. If he can't take out daddy, he's going to try to take out mama. So when you think, oh, this just came in my life and it's love, and you have all these Hallmark movie quotes that you can back it with and a couple statements from Oprah, it's like you get all this. There is a spiritual warfare, and this is what I see that happens, is that one of the parents are removed for a season, and it's almost always the season that that son or daughter needed them the most. They needed an impartation, and that moment was lost. And that season of life was thrown away and wasted. And the last thing is, he says is, you're going to live with regret. Like There's going to be a day that you go, why didn't I listen to my pastors? Why didn't I listen to the teachers of my life? There's just so much pain. I never envisioned my life being like this. And he said, there's, there's so much regret. And I'll tell you why there's regret is because every person who has an affair gets caught. A hundred percent of them do. You either getting caught on one side of eternity or this side of eternity. But there's going to be regret with this. And so this is what I love that Solomon shifts here is that he takes it. It's like heavy. He's like, let me teach you this. Let me give you some weight here. You need to have some you need to be sober and solemn and consider the consequences. And then he says, and I'm going to teach you how to affair-proof your marriage. And let me give you just, let me give you three quick points. Here's the first one. Speak scripture that you've memorized. When Solomon starts this, this is what he says in verse 1. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion. And this is what he says. And may your lips preserve knowledge. Now, how does your lips preserve knowledge? Is that you remember it and you speak it out of your mouth. When, when I say that how do affairs happen? They happen in the mind. Words come here and they go in the mind. This is the whole battlefield is right here. So listen, I want you to know this. Your thoughts are not stronger than Satan's thoughts, okay? But also, Satan's thoughts are not stronger than God's thoughts, so people go, how can, you don't know my work environment. You don't know what's going on. I don't know how to rise above temptation. I'm doing everything I can. I'm white knuckling. This is what you do. It's so easy. You put God's thoughts in your mind and you go, I'm going to meditate on those things. And when a bad thought comes in, a perverse thoughts comes in, you say, I'm going to think on it and then I'm going to speak on it. And then he says this, commit to intimacy. And this is where Solomon gets explicit. 
And I'm going to tell you, when you're talking to kids and grandkids about sex these days, you need to know when they walk up the stairs to that school, it's going to be repetitive over and over, and it's going to be explicit. And so we get to uh, Proverbs chapter 5, and he starts in verse 15. He says, drink water from your own cistern, uh, running water from your own well, should your springs overflow in the streets. This is what it means, is that when men uh, go out and they're having affairs, and, the, and that day there were illegitimate children, there were kids running around, he's like, and they're looking like so-and-so and so-and-so. They don't have a father in the home. They're growing up fatherless. He says, uh, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Now watch what he says, verse 19. A loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. He turns it into explicit language. He literally takes this language and writes Song of Solomon with it. And so what is he saying? He's like, there needs to be a commitment to sexual intimacy between a husband and wife. He said it's so important in marriage, and I love that he used this because when I read this, I was like, I never heard this in church growing up. If I'd have heard, you know, verse 19, I'd have got saved a lot earlier. But he goes, may you be intoxicated with her love. That means that there is so much passion. And those of you who are married remember some of these days. Like there's so much passion between us in this, in this side of our marriage. Sometimes we're just dizzy. Sometimes we're like, I shouldn't drive right now, you know. He was like, this, this is like a blessing. This is like, this is how God wants your marriage to be, but it's going to take a commitment from one person to the other, a commitment to sexual intimacy. It's a beautiful thing. It's not a perverted thing. I had an old man walk up to me when we were eating one time, and he told me, he said, he said, you know, preacher, he said, uh, when uh, I was married and my wife was alive, uh, we were intimate almost every day of the week. And I said, Okay, I didn't want to hear this. I said, all right. He said, almost every day. He's like, almost on Monday, almost on Tuesday, almost on Wednesday. And we, we had a great laugh. But when I say commit to this, it's also a spiritual thing. Because when you're not committed, committed to intimacy with each other, Satan goes, oh, I see where they are vulnerable. But when you do, it like brings your hearts together and, and then God's protection is over that covenant of marriage. So this is what I want to do right now. I want to pray over your marriage. Those of you that are married, if you're watching online, your spouse is close by, I want you to grab them by the hand. Grab her by the hand. And then I want to pray over your sons and daughters in this world that we live in. Okay, let's pray right now. Father God, we thank you that you created marriage. Uh, you said it was a good thing, God. And you created sexual intimacy. You gave us the boundaries for how all of life works. And Father, I pray that you will take this word, uh, let it be in our hearts to a place where it gives us conviction around our lives. I thank you that you oversee everything that we are doing. There is nothing hidden that won't be exposed. And I, all, and I also thank you that there is grace for yesterday there's grace over our today that gives us strength. There's grace that gives us wisdom and certain discernment over tomorrow so we can just uh, not step into traps that the enemy has set. I pray for our kids that they will grow up and be holy, that in this area of life, when it comes to sex, they'll be set apart from the world like you called us to be. I pray that they won't walk in 
uh, dominion. They won't be chained to pornography or lust in their life, but they'll walk in the freedom that you give us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.
Okay, earlier I was able to tell you that we're going to have a great service with worship and in the Word. And I know people even made decisions for Christ, but some of you, you might need prayer or something else. You might have questions. If you would text the word CONNECT to 88000, we'll be with you. We'll talk to you. We'll help you in any way that we can. If it's possible, we will be there for you. Oftentimes, people want to know, how do I give to New Life Church? And we do not beg for people to give. We do not pressure people to give. If you want to give, then just do so. The information is right there for you. Also, coming up really soon is Collide. This is 6th grade through 12th grade. It's our student outreach. It's a conference that we do every year. We were not able to last year. This year, we're able to again. And man, I know I'm going to be there. I sneak in the back. They don't really want me there. I'm too old, but I'm going. And so if I had a teenager, and I don't now, sadly, they're all grown up. But if I did, I would be at least praying that they would go. So you can certainly get the information as well right in front of me. So one of the things we've also been doing throughout this whole year, and even last year, is praying a prayer of blessing over people at the end of the service And if you would just close your eyes, maybe you can open your hands up to the Lord, and I just want to pray. Lord, I thank you for the service today, for that word, and we need more wisdom. Right now, we're making foolish decisions sometimes, and we want to make wise decisions. And I thank you, Lord God, that you're teaching us through your word on how to do that. Forgive us, Lord, for mistakes that we've made, but with everyone at the sound of my voice, Lord, I ask that you encourage them, that your face will shine upon them, that they will be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. I pray that they will be lenders and not borrowers. I pray when they enter into a room that they will be with you. I pray that you will lead them by your spirit. And I pray all the days of their life that they will serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks a lot for joining us, and God bless you.